I've, I, there's a bumper sticker I see every once in a while, and it says, the Bible said it, and I believe it, and that makes it so. And I don't agree with that because the thing is, the Bible said it, and before the foundation of the earth, it was so. Before God formed man out of dust, before he created, the, cast the stars into the sky, spoke everything into existence, it was. And that's how he has uh, made a life better than what we could live, where we could live more abundantly, where we could live free from the bondage of sin, where we could go to heaven, live eternally uh, with our family and loved ones that, that, that are saved as well. It's, it's because of him and who he is. And I can't comprehend why he is that way, but I know that he is and I believe he is and that's how he has. And that don't make a bit of sense, but if you're, if you're spiritual, then you know what I mean. Uh, amen. But, uh, but thankfully the Lord has, he's provided for me so much. And, uh, in consideration this morning, I'd, I'd ask you to turn, uh, does anybody else want to sing? I want to give another opportunity if anybody else has a song on their heart, they want to sing. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. First Chronicles chapter number 29 this morning. We'll go there first in first Chronicles chapter number 29 and then we'll turn over to the second book of Chronicles chapter number one in just a moment first Chronicles 29 for the reading of God's word this morning and thankful to think about all God does for me and in consideration as I was studying this this week thinking about prayer I find an interesting prayer here from Solomon and how God honored Solomon's prayer Solomon had been appointed king of Israel, and his father David had, well, we'll read here in just a moment, dies. And Solomon, in the stead of David, takes leadership of Israel as the king. And the estimations I've read, maybe 20 years old, somewhere in there, very young, uh, when he becomes the king, maybe a little bit older. That's just estimations I've read. But nonetheless, it was probably difficult, I would imagine, as we'll read here in a moment. You see Solomon being thrust into one of the most powerful, powerful positions in the world, the most powerful position in Israel, certainly, but one of the most powerful positions a man could hold, being a king of a nation. And in First Chronicles 29, we'll read in verse 22, the Bible says, and they and did... And did eat and drink before the Lord on that day with great gladness. And they made Solomon the son of David the king the second time. And anointed him unto the Lord to be the chief governor and Zadok to be the priest. Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father and prospered. And all Israel obeyed him. And all the princes and the mighty men and all the sons likewise of King David submitted themselves unto Solomon the king. And the Lord magnified Solomon exceedingly in the sight of, the, of all Israel and bestowed upon him such royal majesty as had not been on any king before him in Israel. Thus David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. And the time that he reigned over Israel was forty years. Seven years reigned he in Hebron, and thirty and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. And he died in a good old age for full of, of days, riches and honor, and Solomon his son reigned in his stead. 
Now the acts of David, the king, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of Samuel, the seer, and in the book of Nathan, the prophet, and in the book of Gad, the seer. With all his reign and his might and the times that went, o- went over him and over Israel and over all the kingdoms of the countries. Now let's go over to Second Chronicles chapter number 1. Verse number 1, the Bible says, And Solomon the son of David was strengthened in his kingdom, and, and the Lord his God was with him, and magnified him exceedingly. Then Solomon spake unto all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every governor in all Israel, the chief of the fathers. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, For there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. But the ark of God had David brought up from Kirjath-Jerim to the place which David had had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. Moreover, the brazen altar that Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord. And Solomon and the congregation sought unto it. And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. Verse number 7. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word, this true bread of life. Lord, I pray that we might break it together, that we might grow from it, that we might be able to glean something and something in our life might be able to find truth and substance and happiness. We know it's there. It's just whether or not we choose to accept it into our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would take this to challenge each and every one of us in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be accepting and understanding that this word, it works for for our betterment, for our growth. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we find that Solomon is coming into position as the king here uh, in the stead of his father, David, who had just died. And I think about the, as I've said, the, the pressures that come along with any kind of position in life, any kind of role, anything that you have in your life, you will find that there are pressures uh, of, of, of that position, whether it's in your career, uh, having a job in, in management or any kind of leadership in your career, you'll know, uh, you'll know it when you feel it. You know what that pressure looks like. You know what that pressure feels like. Everybody's looking at you. Everybody, you got, uh, some people would say there's a lot of hungry mouths to feed, and you've got a lot of people that need your leadership. They need your guidance. Um, you may have that in your career, or maybe in your home. You're a parent, or you're the leader of a household, and you've got that position. You've got people looking to you, relying on you to provide for them and do something for them. And you've got maybe a position in the church. Maybe you're a pastor, you're a preacher, or whatever it may be. If you're a Sunday school teacher, whatever that position may be, even just as a Christian that's just a prayer warrior, you've got someone looking to you to be their leader, to guide them along their way, for you to be an example of the Lord to them. And I would say, why in the world, if we are in those positions, why would we not be more prayerful people? Why would we not be people? that are more dedicated to talking to the Lord, asking him to bless bless us, asking him to to, to lead us and to guide us in our way. 
and you find Solomon after his father had died, you find that he, he did a few things here, and we'll continue reading in our scripture. It says, uh, verse number 7, In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this, thy people, that is so great? Now, I want to notice something about Solomon as he's put into position as the king, as he's reigning in the stead of his father David that had just passed away. I believe that he took it very seriously to the point where he knew that he was going to need the Lord's help in order to be able to succeed as the king, in order to be able to do anything and uh, anything of any substance, to be able to lead and to guide a nation, uh, to be able to, to, to be strong and to be able to be... Uh, his, his father was a man of war. His father, uh, they, he wasn't as concerned with, uh, with some of the things Solomon would face. He was a man of war. He would just gird up his loins and get his sword and go out to battle and they would slay uh, more enemies than you would ever believe. That was the nature of David's reign as king. But you find Solomon was a different person. And that's okay. I think that it's all right that even in families, as much as people can look alike, as much as people can talk alike, uh, as even last week we had uh, br uh, Brother Drew Rogers here come and preach and how uh, even in the way his mannerisms and things he does, he reminds me of people in his family, and that's a wonderful thing. Uh, you will look like your family. You'll talk like your family. You'll sound like your family. But even though your family, you're a different person, you'll have different nature. You'll have different things about, about you. And if you want to succeed in your life, you can't depend on mom and dad. You can't depend on grandma and grandpa. You can't depend on what somebody else has done in days gone by or how dedicated to the Lord they were. You can't depend on the achievements of, of dad as king. You can't depend on the achievements of mom, uh, grandma and grandpa as prayer warriors. You've got to, in your own self, settle and decide that you have to know the Lord. You have to work with him directly if you're going to ever succeed and achieve anything worth, worth doing, worth any substance. And so here is Solomon. He is appointed the king of Israel, and he knew that he needed to get on his knees, get with the Lord, and pray and ask God to bless him. And so that's what he does. I want us to notice a few things. And I've got about 20 different things I want to notice here. There's a lot of stuff here, but, but we'll, we'll try to go through really quickly. I was joking yesterday. Uh, Nana and Papa and Mom and Dad came over to the house, and uh, I was talking about with this baby coming. I told them before they left, I'm going to have to preach a Methodist sermon here pretty soon. Uh, if, if we get one of these where Shelby's ready to go into labor, I'm going to go 10 minutes. I'm going to hit the door. And uh, so I'm going to go through just real quick, but I want to share with you what God's got on my heart. Consider Solomon in his prayer. He identified his responsibility. He identified his responsibility. And so verse number 8, he says, And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David, my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. He realized that God opened a door and put him in a position uh, of, of great responsibility. He was put in a place that had a lot of, of, of weight to it. It wasn't just... Uh, just ringing up groceries. It wasn't just being uh, a manager at a bank. It wasn't just uh, being this or being that, whatever it may be. 
it was it was a position of great responsibility. And it goes on verse 9 and it says, Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. What a great responsibility. And in his prayer to the Lord, he identified and realized that he had a, a great responsibility. Back in chapter number 17, you don't have to turn there with me if you don't want to, but I'm going to turn there because I've got quite a bit of things, quite a few things uh, that I do want to read in uh, chapter 17 of 1 Chronicles. He first, in verse number 11, it says, And it shall come to pass, when thy days be expired, that thou must go to be with thy fathers, and I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, for I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him, as I took it from him that was before thee. But I will settle him in mine house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forevermore. This is God speaking to David about his son Solomon. And so you find that Solomon, back in verse uh, or chapter number 1 of Second Chronicles, he identified a divine responsibility. There was a responsibility that was settled with David for Solomon's life before David even came across into the earth. Now, I don't believe it's parents' responsibilities to tell their children what they're going to be in their life. I've, you, you've heard the, the joke about preachers, mama called, daddy sent, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, somebody grows up and you tell their, their kid, you're going to be a preacher one day, and they buy them a suit and they buy them a Bible, and they, they just send them out there to do it, and you find that their ministry will never uh, produce fruit if it's not real, if it's not true. And so we have to understand and know that mom and dad can't identify and tell its child what it's going to make out of its life. But when God comes by and God gives a promise and God tells someone, this is what I'm going to do with your children, he is expecting you to guide, nurture, and love that child so that it will be equipped to be able to do that one day. And so this is a divine responsibility. And David was told by God that your son one day, he will be the king. I will establish him. I will grow him. I will build him up. He will serve me. I will love him. I will bless him more than I've ever blessed any other king in the earth. What, how amazing and great of a promise that is. But how David could have ruined Solomon's life by not raising him. He, just, he could have been a lazy father and said, well, God's going to take care of him. God's going to bless him one day. No, that's not what we do. We don't slack off. This heritage that we're passing down of God's family, God's kingdom, God's, God's love, we can't slack off on it now. I, it's, it's more important, especially with a child, with a young, uh, a little child. They, they don't know. What, whoever molds their mind will make them into who they're going to be. And if that's not you, mom, if that's not you, dad, they're going to be whatever the world wants them to be, whatever society tells them to be. We wonder why everybody's so messed up. We wonder why everybody's minds are just so all over the place. We wonder why people do what they do. And we see this story, and, and as we talked about before uh, when we were in Sunday school, we were talking about all those kids that were rescued from that, that trafficking ring. What a blessing that is. We ought to rejoice that that has taken place. And I heard actually multiple, multiple reports of that happening over this past, even the weekend. What a blessing that is. But I tell you, it's a shame 
that these types of things happen. And as you mentioned, Kathy, as we were uh, requesting prayer for these people, there are some of those children that are in those positions because mom and dad put them in those positions. Mom and dad didn't care enough. Mom and dad were so connected to drugs or alcohol or whatever it was that it pushed them into, into getting a child into that circumstance. And it could have been very easy, or it could have been very easy for David to just slack off and Solomon just to, to be whatever he was going to be. Solomon had enough troubles as a man uh, for, uh, already with having David raise him right. He already had enough struggles. He already had enough issues. He already had enough temptations. And you'll find that evident in his life. But there was a divine responsibility. There was a promise between God and David uh, concerning Solomon's service to the Lord. But then, 1 Chronicles chapter number 28, you'll find... Not only, it's, of course, it's divine. It ties into that divine responsibility. But it's a descended responsibility. Verse, uh, verse number 9 of chapter 28, it says, And thou, Solomon, my son, this is David actually speaking to Solomon now, later on. And thou, Solomon, my son, know that the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off. Take heed, take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. And then you find David, David's purpose and what God promised David that he would do through Solomon is actually build the temple. And so you find here that David gives him the plans for the temple. And I'm not going to take time and read the, the endless plans of the temple, but, but just know that. Keep that in the front, in the front of your mind. Uh, that, that David was give, he gave Solomon the plans for the temple. And so we find a descended responsibility. I believe that David waited until he saw a spiritual growth in Solomon before he presented to Solomon this, this, this thing from the Lord. I, believe, I, didn't, I don't think that when, when Solomon was spiritually immature, he presented, this is what God's going to do for you. I think that as David saw his, his time coming, the end of his days getting closer, and he saw Solomon growing as a young man in the Lord, that he presented to him this descended responsibility that, hey, David, or Solomon, God is going to use you for his good, and this is what he's going to do. Follow him, and he, through you, will make these things happen. That's a descended responsibility. And then we go on to, back to 2 Chronicles, and we'll look there in 2 Chronicles, verse number 1 again. The Bible says, And Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceeding, exceedingly. So not only did he have a divine responsibility that God gave through David many years before, not only did he have a descended responsibility that David brought and presented to Solomon, but he had a direct responsibility. When he was put and thrust into the position of the king, it, it got real at that point in time. It's just like thinking, I, I'm not trying to harp on it, but even, even now as we're getting closer and closer to this baby coming. Shelby's starting to feel these pains, and I'm like, look me in the eye, and you tell me right now that you're okay, because if you're not, we're going to get in the car, and we're going to go to the hospital. If something's going on, we're going to go make sure everything's all right. I want to know. I'm in a direct responsibility at that point in time because I've never done this before. I've seen a goat have a baby. I've seen a cow have a baby. I've been there for all that kind of stuff, but I'm in a direct position when it's my wife that is in travail. When she's in labor, I'm ready to rock and roll because I know I know that it is my responsibility to get her where she needs to be 
And that, that's, a, that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. But here's Solomon. He's put into position. He's put into that position as king. That's his direct responsibility. And when he comes to the Lord and he's praying to the Lord, Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father and hast made me to reign in his stead. He recognizes the responsibility he has. It's divine, it's descended, and it's direct. It's his responsibility to lead and guide Israel. Goes on in verse number 9, or uh, excuse me, verse number 10. It says, Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? Look at Solomon's prayer to the Lord. He says, Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge? This thy people that is so great. Solomon in his prayer, he realized his responsibility, but then he invited in righteousness into his heart. He said, if I'm going to be able to serve like I need to, God, I'm going to need you to give to me a few things that I myself can't make. You can get up and you can read. I've been working on my Bible college stuff recently. I could read every book that they could send me from front to back. I could read, that, read every commentary. I could read every book on the Bible. I could go out and listen to every preacher that has ever preached in my life, and there's some good ones out there, but I could do all those things. I could sit, and even in my own study, there's people that have studied this book their whole life, and they don't know a bit more about it uh, when they die than they knew when they first uh, got a relationship with the Lord because they're not inviting in righteousness in to their hearts. You can say you're a Christian. You can go to church. You can put your shirt and your, your, your pants and their, your shoes and you fix your hair and do all these things and come to church and not invite righteousness into your heart. And if you can't do that, if you can't say that that's the case, how are you ever going to lead? How are you going to ever serve God like you need to? We say, well, I want to know how. Well, here's what Solomon did. He prayed that God would instill in him that wisdom and knowledge that he knew he would need to lead. Well, I I only have to lead my little family. I tell you what, that little family can die and go to hell if you're not careful. That little family can be caught up in the world of drugs and alcohol and sex and all these other things if you're not careful, if you don't settle in your heart that I'm going, I need God to give to me the wisdom and knowledge to lead as a parent. I don't care if it's just one little kid. I don't care if it's just trying to be there for your wife, trying to be there for your husband. That, the devil wants you to think that that's little. The devil wants you to think that that's small. But even in, in anything we do, when there are souls that could die and go to hell that are in, in, at stake, it is important that we invite righteousness into our hearts. And what did Solomon do? He invited righteousness through offerings. In verse number 6, it says, And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon God. He got a hold of the Lord through sacrifice. And you say, well, I don't have enough time to pray. This is what I, that's what my message is this morning is the power of prayer to consider that. I don't have enough time to pray. Well, I tell you what, there's something I was praying about recently and I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to take more time to pray about this. God's not answering me. God's not getting to me. God's not showing me anything. I'm not hearing anything from it. Well, I tell you what, 
What I started thinking about there is I was, I was thinking about how God wasn't answering my prayers. I started realizing, am I prioritizing things in my time? Am I prioritizing things in my day that allow me to more effectively get a hold of the Lord? You say, well, I don't, I don't have time to sacrifice this. You would amaze yourself what you can get rid of, what you can get out of the way if you'll just try it one or two times. Because I promise you, an hour of praying with the Lord will supersede and get rid of all your need to sit and watch endless TV or scroll through Facebook or do these things. I'm not saying these things are wrong, but I am saying that you can get those things between you and the Lord. I can't get a hold of God. My prayer's not getting above my head. My prayer's not getting above the ceiling. I don't, it's, I'm not hearing anything. God's not fixing anything. Maybe you need to sacrifice something. Maybe you need to lay something down on the altar. And this sacrifice here at the brazen altar, it said offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. That was a day of blood. That wasn't a happy day. You don't want to see what a thousand burnt offerings look like. It was basically lined up, livestock lined up like I-40 on it at five o'clock. And they just sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed and burned. You don't want to see what that looks like. I tell you what, that looks a lot different than sacrificing a little bit of TV here. That sacrifices a little bit of uh, time going to a ball game. It sacrifices, it's a little bit uh, more than sacrificing these little things in our life. And I love that like anybody else. But I've had to learn that it takes sacrifice for me to invite that righteousness into my heart. He invited righteousness through offerings, and then he invites righteousness through reflection. In verse number 8, it says, And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Just this week, this is what's been on my mind, specifically. My parents, all they've done for me, all they've blessed me with, and both sets of my grandparents, all they've done for me, all they've blessed me with. And I tell you what, it's just been, I, I have, I'll be honest with you, I've been on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. When I start thinking about all God's done for me, I'm telling you, it'll tear you up. And, uh, and it just it was a blessing this week to consider that. And I want to be closer to the Lord. I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. I want to have more wisdom and knowledge. Because like Solomon, he prays and he says, as I'm coming and I'm going before the people, I'm before your people, God. I am representing you. And I want to, to be uh, the, someone that is a reflection of wisdom and knowledge. And as I come in here on this Sunday morning, I need to be a reflection of Christ. I need to be a reflection. My prayer life should be evident. The things that my relationship to God should be evident. And as I come before you, and I'm around you, and I talk to you, and I'm, I preach to you, and whatever it may be, I want to be a reflection of him. And as I was thinking about being more, being more of a reflection of Christ, I got to thinking about reflection and how Solomon here, he, God knew what David had done. David was a man after God's own heart. God knew David. God had a close relationship with David. But Solomon, through reflection, he said, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. And I think about all God has done for me and my family, and I know you can find this to be true in your life. When we consider, when we consider, and I think about all God's blessed me with, I'm 24, 20, 24 years old, 24 years old, and God has blessed me with opportunities in my career that most people, it takes a lifetime to get to, and I'm not boasting, I'm just bragging on the Lord. God has opened doors in my career that, that it, I can't imagine. God has opened doors in my spiritual life gave me the opportunity to pastor this church. What a blessing that is. There are people out there that they, I, I'm almost convinced they would fight you for an opportunity to pastor a church. 
What a blessing that is that God would open that door when God brings you. And that's the thing. When, well, I'm not, I'm not able to serve God like I need to right now. God's got something for you. He just wants you to invite righteousness into your heart. Reflect on what he's done for you in the past. Reflect on what he's done for your family. I think about an opportunity just to be part of his family. I don't deserve it. But yet he offers that opportunity to think about marriage and a baby and family. It overwhelms me to consider what God's done. But I also realize the responsibility that I've had people in my life that sacrificed so that I could have a better life. So I get caught up in my 2020 problems. 2020, it, it's, it's a rough year. It's crazy stuff we're seeing. What do, but what do we expect? Like, we were, like you said, Britton, before we started, we're just visiting here. This isn't an eternal home. There's things I love to see, the mountains and the animals, the things. I, I, I watched this documentary on TV. for They had it on for a week recently. I watched that, almost that whole documentary about sharks. And just you can spend a week watching a TV show about this animal God created in the ocean, and it fascinates me. But to think that all this stuff that's created, it's just, it's just part of a, a temporary thing. We're, and we're just squeezing through. We're just sliding by. And to think about I'm not trying to get off on this, this track, but to reflect on all God's done for me, all God's done for my family, and how I can invest so much time studying and think about things of this world, it's going to be gone in a moment. Right. It's the things that are eternal that matter. Right. And I believe that Solomon saw that. He said, that great mercy that David, you showed David my father. God, that mercy you showed him, please show it to me. Yeah. Through reflection, he invited righteousness in. And then in verse number 9, he invited, a righteous, invited righteousness through confirmation. O oh Lord God, now, O oh Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Here's what, what changed. Here's what shifted this. We talked about that responsibility. I presented to you that responsibility that, that Solomon felt from David. Here is where he confirms it and he accepts it. Like that old saying is, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's true. More true, if you've ever worked with like a mule or anything, you know what stubbornness looks like. Wives, you may think your husband's that way. But you know, it's really true that we are not going to do anything that we don't want to do. And as I said and presented to you, David couldn't make Solomon accept what God's plan was for his life. If he had come up and he told him every single day, you're just so great, Solomon, you're going to do this one day, you're going to accept this one day, you're going to follow this one day, it could have been a very different outcome. But Solomon himself accepted that calling. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David, my father, be established. I'm here. I'm opening myself up as a vessel. Solomon's saying, I'm opening myself up for you to do that in my life. I want you through me to make the, the promises of days gone by come true. He invited righteousness and in his offerings and his sacrifice and his reflection and in his confirmation, he confirmed, he said, God, make that. Be, be, let that be established. Make that happen. I want to be a part of it. There are a lot of people today that are gone 
passed along now or they're getting to the age, that age and they've served God and they have had children and they've raised their children right they've, raised, they've tried to be good to their grandchildren and so on and so forth but they're turning away they're not following those old the old path, the old truth the, 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 the things of God's word And the only thing that will change and shift this culture, the way it's going, of course, Christ, but it will be people saying, Lord, let your promises of days gone by be established today. I will be that vessel. I will sell myself out. I will separate from the world. I will stand up for you. I will stand up for truth. That's what it's going to take. I believe that's what Solomon was doing. He identified his responsibility. His, he invited righteousness, and he, he intentionally asked for God's blessings. When he said that, he said, Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before thee, before this people, for who can judge this thy people that is so great? And when you look back in chapter 28, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read this real quick. Chapter 28. Of First Chronicles, I'm trying to find it here. <clears throat> he says, Chapter twenty eight of First Chronicles, and I, I I wanted to take an extra second to find it because it's it's so good you see this. David, when David was talking to Solomon there in verse number 9 of 1 Chronicles 28, he says, And thou, Solomon, my son, now know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. What does it say right there? For the Lord searcheth all hearts. Now back to 1 Chronicles chapter number 1. In verse 10, he says, I'm going to read it again. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, verse number 11, because this was in thine heart. What did, he, what did David tell Solomon? He said, God, the Lord searcheth all hearts. And here the Lord is speaking to Solomon. And he says, because that, this was in thine heart and thou hast not asked for riches... Thou hast wealth or honor, nor the life of thine enemies. Neither yet hast asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself. And thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had and that have been before thee. Neither shall there any... After thee, have the like. So I'm going to summarize this up real quick. And I want to tie this into that thought of prayer. I want to apply it to, to our walk with the Lord. Identify your responsibility. As we, as we clearly stated in our study before service, I believe it was Kathy that was testifying to this. We will give an account to God for our actions. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will clearly confess <laughs> to the Lord. All of them. Everybody. And I'm paraphrasing there, but everyone. There's not a hall pass. You don't get to play 
Hooky, you 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 gotta you gotta be there. All of us, including me. Everybody else. We stand before a holy God, confess our wrongdoings. You can't get to him and say, Well, well Lord, I wasn't I didn't have this kind of responsibility. I didn't you, you didn't ask me to do this, you didn't ask me to do that. We have to realize whatever it is we do whether it seems insignificant and small or it's great and you, you're out there influencing thousands and thousands of people, whatever it may be in your mind, you have a responsibility to someone. You're somebody's brother, you're somebody's sister, you're somebody's mama, you're somebody's daddy, you're somebody's friend, you're somebody's church member that you got to go to a church with, you're somebody's pastor, you're somebody, whatever. You've got a responsibility. If you're a Christian, you've got a responsibility to the Lord to reflect and walk like him. If you want to get a hold of God, you want something to change in your life, you want to be effective, you have to identify what that responsibility is. Lord, I need to be a better prayer warrior. Lord, I need to be a better church member. I need to be a better brother, sister, mom, dad. I need to be whatever it is. Identify that. Recognize and realize that God wants that for your life, you to get a hold of that and just serve him in that. Some people don't want to serve God unless they get recognition. Some people, I don't want, they don't want nothing to do with church unless they get the, the opportunity to be in front of everybody. That's not what keeps this thing going. I, I would say, especially, uh, you know, Austin and Papaw both could, could, would agree that over the years of pastoring, the years of being a minister, that it was the people that were prayerful people in your ministries that you saw push forward, push things forward. It wasn't the person that gets up there and, and has this emotional fit or does something for our own recognition. It wasn't that that presses forward. It was the people that, were, that are prayer warriors that keep things going. I don't need a pat on the back, but somebody that's praying for me, that makes me feel good. You have a responsibility to our brothers and sisters. Recognize that. Invite righteousness into your heart. When you pray and you ask God to bless you and you ask the Lord to help you, He wants to give you holy and good things. But He knows the intentions of your heart. Before you even come to Him, He knows your desires. Lord, make me this, make me that. If you don't mean it, if you don't want to be this or that for God, might as well wait till you get to the point to where you want to be this or that for him. Because your prayers are not going to do anything unless you, you sell out to that. Lord, clean me up. I think probably, and I, of course I'm not you know, listening to everybody's prayers, but I think a lot of people in, my, my, in my, own, my own prayer life think probably people are similar. Lord, help these people. Clean, clean them up. Show them their wrongdoing. And hey, there's probably some people out there that need to be shown. They need to see their wrongdoing. But it's not always my responsibility to pray for everybody else to get right with the Lord and not make myself right, not get myself settled down to where I'm going to serve him. I'm going to invite that righteousness into my heart. David could have asked for riches, wealth, and honor like the Lord presented to him. He said you didn't, but he, but he didn't. He asked for wisdom and knowledge so that he might serve the people. Tell you what, that's the sign of a sold-out person is that they will go before the Lord and they will say, Lord, Give me your blessings that I might affect your people, that I might be a light to your people. When we ask for God's blessings, we have to combine that responsibility and that righteousness together to effectively serve him. 
we serve, verse number 11, we serve an omniscient God. He says, because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not at. And God said unto Solomon, because this was in thine heart. We serve a Lord that searcheth all hearts. He knows everything. So when you go to him, make sure that your presentation is pure and true. There's a lot of prayers I'd like to take back because God saw right through them. And I tell you what, the closer and closer we get to this, this whole thing winding up, people can see through things more and more. Even lost people can see straight through some of this mess people put up, present. But he's also, in verse number 12, he's an outpouring God. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee. Neither shall there any after thee have the like. You'll find on, as you study, and I'll be done there, as you study along, when they build the temple, I mentioned David presenting the dimensions of the temple to Solomon. Solomon went above and beyond the dimensions of the temple that David had presented to him. God allowed the works of Solomon to be even greater than what David had conjured up and thought in his mind. And I believe it's because Solomon, he came to the Lord and he said, listen, I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. I need you to intervene. I need you to move in and I need you to take the bad things out and bring the good things in. Make time for prayer. That may not all have been about prayer, but the root of that is take time for prayer. God knows the intentions of your heart. And if your intentions are not right, you're going to have to settle in your life. What do I need to set aside? Before David got a hold of the Lord, he had to make the sacrifices. And that seems Old Testament to people. It is. But it's also under grace. Think about Christ. That sacrifice. People don't like to hear about the, 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 all the crazy things of those days gone by. You read about the law and the sacrifices and the burnt offerings and the incense and all these things. I, people don't want to hear about that. But it's only through Christ that we don't have to live like that. It was on that cross that he made the ultimate sacrifice that... Anything we could do wrong, he, he has sacrificed and he's laid his life down for it. Why would we not say, I can take some more time here. I can take some more time there. I promise you, if you'll de dedicate an extra hour to praying, if you'll dedicate an extra hour to, to Bible study, if you'll take an extra hour of quiet time with the Lord, it'll get to the point in time where you won't have to make time for that anymore. You put that up where it needs to be. And it starts to take over your relationship to the Lord. Thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you for listening to me. Appreciate what the Lord's doing and appreciate you all coming and being with us this morning. I wonder if anyone would have anything before we dismiss. The altar's open. If anyone wants to testify, prayer requests, whatever it may be, we'll have them up.